WGR Sports Radio 550. Can I interest you in that cap? No, thank you. I don't wear it. Jeff canceled golf because the weatherman predicted rain. Predicts rain, doesn't rain. It's not the first time this has happened. Something fishy is going on here. What if the weatherman predicts it's going to rain just so he can keep people off the golf course and have it for himself? What do you think of that theory? I think it's ridiculous. It's the nightcap. How's it looking out there? It's wide open, man. Hardly anybody out there. Probably has something to do with that weather forecast. Probably does. Have you seen the weatherman out there? Well, yeah, as a matter of fact, there he is with uh, Dr. Funkhauser coming up on the night hole. Hey, Larry. What's going Beautiful on? Beautiful day, huh? Yeah. Good day for golf. Yeah, you know, I was supposed to play today. Really? And Jeff called me last night and canceled because of your weather report about thunder showers. You made a mistake, so what? Come on. Oh, I said it was going to be thunder showers? Yeah. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. Nice to see you. Good Too to see you, Larry. Too bad for me. Take care. Too bad for me. I, I, I don't quite get your point. All right, well, the man, I'm going to tell you my point. I've got a sneaking suspicion that you're predicting rain to clear the golf course for yourself. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Come on. Yeah, ridiculous. Come on. Ridiculous. It's, it's happened weather. before, weatherman. You know it. I'm going to report you because every time you want to play golf, Larry, you make sure that it's raining. Larry, first of all, I'm not a weatherman. I'm a meteorologist. I'd appreciate oh, a little bit of respect. On WGR Sports Radio 550. I love that show so much. That's uh, from Curb Your Enthusiasm. You heard that he mentioned uh, Mar- uh, Funkhauser. Marty Funkhauser. Also, Bob, or actor Bob Einstein. Died today. That was a tough one. I loved him. He's so funny. The comedians in cars getting coffee that Jerry Seinfeld does. By far, to me, the most the funniest episodes were the two that he did. They were just so funny. I was laughing hysterically at them. And uh, that's, a, that's a sad one. That's a sad one today. 803-0550 is the phone number. We uh, talked a lot about the Bills in our number one. Transition to the Sabres a little bit here before we get you to Brandon Bean in a little bit here. But bef- Actually, before we go to Sabres, Uh-oh. Com- almost completely forgot. Oh, no. Hold on, let me flip back in the notebook because we've got to go through the over-unders and see who won. Who is smarter at football, me or Derek? Well, I would call it who's smarter at betting, and that's not me. I stick by what I said. Who's smarter at football? <laughs> All right. Congrats, you'll be beating me. I Real got... high bar you're clearing. <laughs> let me pull up the, uh, the NFL standings. I've got the names in front of me, and I've got who had what. You had a lot of pushes. Yeah, I did. That's pretty stupid, actually. Terrible, terrible strategy. All right. Like I said, who's better at betting? That's not me. Let's first go to... Why am I so dumb? The Arizona Cardinals at five and a half. (laughs) We both had the over. Not great. Yep. Not great there. All right. So, oh, we both have zero to start. Not a not a great start for us there. Atlanta at nine. We both had the over. No, those are that's not going to work either. Baltimore at eight. I had an under. You had a push, and we both lost. We both lost, even though you were closer. That's what's frustrating about the push. Stupid push. Buffalo six and a half. <laughs> Ooh, what a line! You had the over. I had the under. Point one for me. 
Bills made it close and interesting they toward did. the end. Yeah, they did. So I'm six. not, I'm not that cuckoo, I guess. Carolina at eight and a half. Mm. I hit the under. Look at look at September me go. Or August me, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, this is like, I think August. it was even before August. Probably. Uh, Chicago at six and a half. You had the over, I had the under. Score one for Derek. Finally. Bears. Finally. Cincinnati at six and a half. We both had the under. They were six and ten. That's a point for each. Hot damn. What what was it that we didn't like about the Bengals? Because didn't they have a really good preseason? It they was, they certainly look great against the Bills. I think it was because of the fact that we respected the Steelers and the Ravens more. Yeah. Oh, and I like the Browns. Yes. I like the Browns. And I a knew lot. the Browns weren't gonna go winless this year, so Right. Uh speaking of the Browns, their over under win total was five and a half. I had the over, you had the under. You didn't believe in Hugh. Well, does anyone? No, but my my whole thing on picking the over on them was I th- thought Hugh would get fired, and then they'd be good after that. And I didn't anticipate Greg Williams would be the head coach, but... They still did the thing that you expected. I thought that they were really? going to stay the course, and they wouldn't get to the six-win mark. What was the record when Hugh got fired? Like, 1-3-1? One, and one? Yeah, it was And they had like been that. robbed of two wins. Yes. At that point. By a kicker and a, and a ref. Three wins! They they sh- that team should have made the playoffs this year. They deserve to. Mm-hmm. Dallas at eight and a half. We both had the under. Ugh. You're surprised they were as good as they were this year. I am. It's I not thought that they midway were... through the year. I thought they were going to be really bad. It's that's exactly what it is. And what happened was throughout the year, I was always saying the Washington Redskins are not good because they haven't beaten anybody. Well, then Dallas took that mantle once Alex Smith broke his leg. Right. Right. And Dallas. Had not really beaten anyone. Then they beat the Saints, and we're just like, okay, what's that going was the on one. here? That was the game where mm-hmm. I'm just like, what is happening? Exactly. And the two linebackers, that was their coming out party. Van, yeah, Der, Van Ash Der Ash and Smith. And Smith. Just freak athletes. Uh, Denver at 7.5. I had the under. You had the over. And they finished at 6-10. and 10. <laughs> So that's a 5-2 to two score in favor of me. Yikes. Detroit at 7.5. We both had the over. We were both uh, Detroit believers. We were both Detroit believers, but then we didn't realize that, oh, hey, a New England coordinator (laughs) is not a good head coach. Right. Jim Bob Cooter's out of there now. Tough season for the Lions. Tough season for the Lions. Green Bay at 10. Detroit doesn't have any more for Cooter. Right. (laughs) 10 was the Green Bay line. You had them as a push. I had them as an over. Uh, They were one of the more disappointing teams uh, of the season, and... uh, that's what it took for Mike McCarthy to finally be removed as head coach there. Houston at eight and a half. I had the over. You had the under. Oh. Six to two. What? Indianapolis at six and a half. I had the over. You had the under. The AFC South is whooping my it's butt. A, it's, to be fair, it's a tough division to get to wrap your mind around, right? Why did I it's take the division. under on Houston? And Indy. Indy, I had a reason for that. Oh. Houston, what was I doing? I, I love the fact that Indy it went exactly the way I thought it was going to, and I'm so happy that they're playing good because I, oh, hey, I love Andrew Luck. I'm pretty sure the next I love team, Andrew by the Luck. way, is in that division. Yep, Jacksonville mm-hmm, there's at another nine. L for me. And I had the under, and you had the over. Ay, ay, ay. Man, the AFC South, I'm just running away with it now. The AFC now it's South eight to two. killed me. 8-2. to two. It's the most dangerous lead in uh, over-under. Tracking. Luckily, Tennessee was predictable for me, but I even—I I still think I missed that one, too. Kansas City at 8.5. We both had the over. I feel like that was always a, a short number for them, Yeah. even when you didn't know how good Mahomes was. 
Uh, the Chargers were nine and a half. We both had the over. They were a popular pick before the year. Rams at ten. We both had the over. All right, we're getting hot here. Little run here. Those were easy lines, though. Yeah. Those 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 couple teams there. Three well, of the best teams in the league. L.A. was a tricky one. Which L.A.? Chargers. Yeah, I was always pretty confident that yeah. they were going to be really good this year. Last I didn't know year, how remember, good they were going to be, but I knew they were going to be better than 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. Remember last year they ended up 9-7, and seven and the, there's the, the report of the one player after they after they won their Week 17 game to go to 9-7, and seven, and the guy's just like just sulking around in the hallway. He's like, Buffalo, Buffalo. We beat them by 100. <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> and they missed the playoffs because their kicker, Kind of like the Browns this year. Their kicker missed a bunch of short field goals at the beginning of the kid. year to, Young to lose. Right. And, uh, you know, this year finally came through for them. Miami, six and a half. We both had the under. They got to seven. That hurts. That Gase hurts. was still fired. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, ten. We both had the over. I think most people were believers in them, and they... I mean, they were... In, were they and, more disappointing than Green Bay this year? No. Green Bay is Aaron Rodgers. That team should not Man, be Minnesota as bad as they were. Loaded though, I know, and they paid thirty million for Kirk Cousins. The big thing is that they still. Who's more upset right now, a Vikings fan or a Packers fan? I'd I think say, a Vikings fan. I'd say a Vikings fan they don't fan know what they're doing at quarterback. I'd say a Vikings fan because Nick Foles has become a supervillain. <laughs> they can't get over the Nick Foles. Hump. They can't get over the Nick Foles. Yeah. Hump. And Foles goes five and one as a starter for Philly. Are you kidding me? New England at eleven. We both had the over. Ooh, that's they a push. Hit, they hit eleven. So that's a well, that's a loss for both of us. I actually had you written down as a push and then scratched out to over. So that was me changing Tough. my mind, thinking, wait, there's no way New England loses five games. New England loses Tough. five games later. New Orleans at nine and a half. I had the over. You had the under. Oh my god, the South is so bad for me. Twelve to four. I have twelve right. You have four right. I I, I get that. Man, you're doing rough. Giants at seven. The South was so bad. Here we for go. Me. Here, here's another one. Here's here's one for you. The Giants at seven. We both had the under. Eli, could I? I wonder if I actually went over in the South because Atlanta and Carolina. I also screwed up. You think Eli's done with the Giants? It sounded like it today. But it the reports have like not it. said that. It sounds like it, but at the same time, it doesn't. I bet you they have a rookie, a first round rookie. I bet yes, you they draft he, someone in the first round. But Eli, which will would start be the something. Season. I think yeah, I think Eli will be there, but I be- I bet you they draft a rookie. Who are they going to draft? Drew Locke? I think Haskins. I think he's going to start to gain some traction. I think. I bet you he goes top. No, line I know, but I think someone beats the Giants to the punch there. Well, who's that going to be? The Giants or the the Jaguars? Maybe. I think the Giants. They pick back to back. I don't know who picks higher. Um. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I I don't know. The Raiders. The Jaguars would be more desperate to do it, but I I also think the Jaguars might try to do something in free agency at quarterback. We'll see. Jets at six. I had the over. You had the under. I just same thing. I always thought one team was going to hit the over in the FCs, and it was the Dolphins. It was the Dolphins. You had the Bills doing it. I had the Jets doing it, and it ended up being the Dolphins. (laughs) Right. And that's not counting New England, obviously. Well, the Oakland Raiders had an eight point. Over under that is the worst number of the of all of these. Yeah, I know. Right? Who thought the Raiders are going to win over eight games? Uh, we both had the under on that one. I'm at fifteen. Yikes! You're at seven. Yay! Eagles at ten and a half. Uh oh. Oh, I was so I I had under written down and I scratched it out the next day and changed it. 
Uh, we both went over on the Eagles. I, I should have trusted my gut. I didn't think they for were. For you, it was Philly. For me, it was it. New England. I had a right. push. Uh, Pittsburgh at 10.5. I had the over. You had the under. Oh, look at me. A little rally here. Derek's up to eight teams, correct? Yay. The Niners at 8.5. Both had the under. I think Why we did were, we have the under? Because we were both pressing it feverishly because we knew that San Francisco on the whole was not a good team. Right. It, Garoppolo would have had to have been good all year. Yeah. He didn't even play almost any. Uh, Seattle at 8. We both had the under. That one hurts. A lot of people were wrong on them. Tampa Bay at 6.5. We both had the under. Hey, I got a South team right. And they <laughs> the first one. Um, <laughs> and then we got two teams left. Tennessee at 8. We both had the under. Jeez. And Washington at 7. You had... A push. You hit on one of the pushes. Washington at seven. Look at me there. All right. Final score was respectable. I I caught up, but the South destroyed me. So out of 32 teams, I got 17 right, just over 50%, and you got 11 right. The South destroyed me. I went one for seven. One for seven. Yeah. With Tampa Bay being the most predictable thing ever. I should have believed in my Colts. Oh, my God. I should have believed in not Jackson. Ready for this? The Indianapolis Colts. Watch out for them in the Super Bowl. Could happen. Okay, let's calm down here. Could happen. Let's calm it down. I'm just saying. They are Super, they Super have, Bowl? They are the hottest team in the league right now. I get that. Nine of their last ten. I know. It just... But Super Bowl... They're good at everything now. Are they? They're are good they, at everything. Are they that complete of a roster, though? I think they are. I don't see a lot of holes anymore. They're not great on defense. I think they're maybe a, they're about average. I mean, the Chiefs are below average on defense, and yeah, their offense true. isn't quite the same. But they're with luck, they can keep up with anybody. I think. I think, and the, I love Frank Reich, the job he's doing as a head coach. I think the question is going to be: Are they going to have to go to New England? And that's always a problem. Yeah. Been a problem for that franchise. No they're going to have to go anywhere. Like they're done at home, yeah. home, on home turf. No, I'm saying like. If they end up having to travel as... Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But see, like... like if, say they beat the Chiefs and they still have to go to New England. They've had problems there. Right. If ever there was a time, though, for a six seed to really make some noise, like this is the t- type of team that does it. A team with an elite quarterback. It's fair to call luck elite. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable saying it. Yes, but at, even, even so now with Houston... Like, division games are always tricky. To me, Houston is not as complete a roster as India's. I know that, but what I'm saying, though, is that division games are oftentimes hard to really predict okay. and peg sure. as the proper call. I would have liked to see Indy facing Baltimore. I think that would have been a more favorable I matchup. Agree. I agree with that. Um, do, do you, would, who do you pick in that game? Houston-Indy. I think I'm taking Indy. It's just... It's going to be close. I agree yeah. with that. But I, I, think, I think they'll win. I think they'll win, and I really could see them beating New England. Although they, don't, they wouldn't play New England, right? They're the six seed. They would play Kansas City. They would go to Kansas City then. And That's I'm not tough. gonna and I'm not gonna pick against the Chiefs' legacy of choking. So Yeah, but that was Indy, Alex Smith. Yes, but Indy could. They have a superhuman playing quarterback now. Yes, but they also have a defense that you just mentioned is very subpar. They score a hundred points. It doesn't they, matter. I know, yeah, but I know the problem is that that defense is not reliable. I, I don't think they're completely unstoppable. Um that's the one thing holding me back from like going all in and be like, I think the Colts can make the Super Bowl. It's the fact that they'd have to go play Kansas City at Arrowhead in the divisional round. And then that's they'd tough. have to go to New England at New England. See, that I'm not as scared of. I really don't I really think New England is not the same that they've been. I they've, still think they're really good. I think that they will beat either a Baltimore or a um even a Houston. But I think if they gotta play the Chargers, 
Chargers would be a problem. I think the Chargers beat in New England, even if it's at Foxborough. I'm not loving the Patriots this year. Realistically, they're good. The five and but. six can really make some noise. Yeah, I agree. This postseason, I like the quarterbacks on the five and sixteen better than I like on the four and five. As a matter of fact, three, like, four, the Chargers. Not I think, that not that Watson and um, and Lamar Jackson are good. Like I love, they're all I watch, I love watching them both. They're dynamic. They're all solid quarterbacks here. But Rivers and Luck, like I know, I'm getting good play out of them every week. And the Chargers roster, that defense is scary with two. Bookend pass rushers. Remember, they were kind of the two seed. Yeah, like they're the five seed, but that's only because they of the, might be the, the second the best team in the conference, and they have right. to go everywhere now. If they weren't in the AFC West, they would have been the second team. They were a game away from being the one seed, and then the AFC Championship game would have been played in that soccer stadium. In they're front on of, the road in front no of ma- thirty people. They're on the road no matter what. You know, it's yeah, just, that's fair. It's just one of those Better things. Where, yeah, so they're used to already having a bad atmosphere. Right. All right, battle tested. <laughs> Rivers back in the playoffs. I'm rooting for him. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll take a time out here. If you want to get a call in before we get to Brandon Bean, now's the time. We will get to the Bills general manager, though, next. He was on with One Bills Live earlier today, so that's coming up next. On the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer here on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer. Let's now hear from Bills general manager Brandon Bean. He sat down with John Murphy and Steve Tasker on One Bills Live earlier today. Here's the Bills GM. Thanks for coming in, Brandon. we got a lot of ground to cover. He's going to be with us for about the next uh, 20, 25 minutes or so. And we appreciate you coming in, starting off the new year with a a fresh slate. But we're going to spend a little time talking about 2018. And let's start. I I have a feeling. Don't let me speak for you. I know you won't. But I think at some point last spring, uh, maybe after the draft, you thought to yourself, okay, we got a rookie quarterback. We're gonna, our goal is to get him to play, win as much as we can, and get him to play and get him indoctrinated in the NFL. Season's over. You have to look back and say, we did that. We accomplished kind of what we were looking to do. Yes? No? Yeah, 100%. Uh, somebody brought that up at the press conference a couple of days ago, and we didn't go in and say Josh has to play three games, five games, 16, whatever. We just said uh, we'll know when, when he's ready, and we didn't want to rush it. Um, did it happen a little quicker than we anticipated? Yes, um, but in the end, I think it helped speed speed up. You know, there's there's nothing you can do to give him those reps that he got starting. You know, at the end of the Baltimore game, and then uh, right. you know the Chargers. So just let me ask you this. I mean, because I talk to Bills fans wherever I go, and Jump Murph and I talk about it every day. You really got to feel good about the guy you drafted. I know there was all those question marks about all five of those guys who were available, and certainly Baker Mayfield and Sam. And the other Josh and, and certainly uh, Lamar Jackson, they're all having good years and it looks like they're off and running. Uh, but you got to be rubbing your hands together saying, man, we like the guy we got. I mean, he looks like he's all of it. Yeah, I mean, I go back to what I said the initial day. This guy is Buffalo. And I think the more Josh's personality and the more times he was behind the microphone and the more times he got up after a big run and pumped his fist and um, – you know, you either got that in your DNA or you don't. And uh, he is blue collar all the way um, beyond the talent on the field. He, he really fits uh, this town, this culture, and, and where we're heading. I was telling Murph, um, obviously, you know, you stand around the guy. People who haven't seen him in person, uh, he's a big dude. Um, and he's got all that arm and he's got all those legs. You know, he runs it and all that. Okay, so there's that. But there's a couple other things that I saw. One, he seems to be really sharp. And two, from coming out of talking to uh, Sean and some of the other players, he's really got his nose to the grindstone. He's working hard at it. So he's physically talented, he's really intelligent, and he's working really hard. And then, you know, Murph and I talk, 
he wants to win the whole world on every play. I mean, he's got that competitive thing. So you got those four things going for him. You got to feel optimistic about how far he could go, even in this off season. Most definitely. You know, that was part of what these uh, these quarterback trips that we did last spring. You know, at this point last year, I'd all, I'd only seen these guys on film and and live. I'd never got to talk to them the first time. So that's what was so important is getting to know what's in the core, what's what's in the you know what's in the heart. Um, what's in the soul, what's in the brain. And uh, what you started out with, Josh is very smart. He picked up our, you know, our offense, and Brian runs a complex offense. He picked it up well and, and continued to grow and get more comfortable you know, you know, every game, every rep. Um, but we like where he's at. Um, he's by no means satisfied, nor are we. And that's what's uh, exciting about where we're heading. And, and I know he is, he's already, we went through a whole plan the other day of what he's going to do uh, from the time he leaves here and goes back to California to when he's coming back. And he's already talking about when he's going to get some of the young receivers together and they're going to throw the ball here and there. And um, it's exciting. That's the leadership part of it, that he, he wants to get back with our guys so fast once once he kind of recovers. With Brandon Bean, the Bills uh, <clears throat> general manager in studio with us, I've never scouted Brandon, but it seems to me that would be the most difficult part, trying to figure out how hard is this guy going to work? Uh, how badly does he want it? Uh, how competitive is he? You can look at stats and and video, you can probably drive yourself crazy looking at video. But you can't tell some of those things, can you? At least not on at first look. No, I mean that's where you go back into the you know you know, the analytics stuff and all the people that were smashing Josh in the spring about his completion percentage yeah. and this and that. Uh those things don't measure grit, toughs, leadership. Um, you know, he had some great fourth quarter drives. Some of them we didn't finish as a team, you know, on different sides of the ball, but uh, we could have won a couple more games that he led us to either tie the game or at one point got us the lead in the fourth quarter and we, and we weren't able to close it. Um, you can't measure that stuff in, in, in just stats. And, and I say this all the time, how many plays did he, that would have been a sack that he got out of it and had to throw the ball away? So he hurt his completion percentage, but he got us to second and 10 instead of second and 16 or something like that. Those are the things that if you don't watch Josh play every play, you miss by just looking at the box score. I was telling Murph, and some of the things you got to be <clears throat> a little bit, every team does it, you kind of wring your hands over the fact that now, okay, you've, you found out about some guys, Josh being one of them. Uh, Bob Foster, Robert Foster being another one, Levi Wallace, Taron Johnson, these young players that got a chance to get thrown in and said, you know, and it's like, wow, we got some guy. You know, we yeah. found some, some nuggets here. You got to wring your hands a little bit over this first off season where these guys go back to wherever it is they are. They got money in their pocket. They got free time. They got a little notoriety. They played pretty well in the NFL. You got to think, how much did you talk to these young guys about keeping it between the lines in the off season? That's Something every team faces. We did. Uh, we, you know, Sean made mention of it uh, at our last meeting to the whole team, and then he and I and a couple of our other sports performance people met with each of the first and second year players, uh, and we talked about where they're at in their journey, and specifically the guys who were rookies heading into their first off season. We told them, listen, you've been through a long grind because as soon as your college season was over, you were preparing for the combine or playing in the senior bowl. We had a lot of guys that played in the senior bowl. Um, so you're preparing for that. Then you're going to Florida or Arizona to go train. And then you went on the interview circuit, uh, the tour, and then you got drafted. And then we brought you right in. These guys have had a long one. So we're like, this is the first time you're going to have free time. Uh, you can't get stale. You can't think you got it all figured out. People now have film on you. 
They are going to study you. They're going to watch what you do well, and they're going to watch what you don't do well. You're going to have to work on the things that you don't do well, uh, or you're going to get exposed in year two. Hey, Brandon, in the last uh, week and a half or so, you have taken steps to kind of shore up the whole quarterback room by signing, re-signing Barkley and re-signing uh, uh, Derek Anderson. What role did you see that those two have played, and what role do you expect them to play in future development for Josh Allen? Yeah, you know, uh, you can – put in different rooms you can put different blends and and you know there's all different talents and all different walks of life uh, the blend in that room uh, led by Dayball and then what DA brought uh, Barkley you know came in midseason and uh, was really a guy I have never gotten to know I knew DA and he had his own personality his own way and he brought a unique part to that uh, you know a unique bond to that room and those three uh, were able to really grow each other. Uh, and, you know, those two, the thing I really liked about Matt, Matt's a lot younger than D.A. He, you know, he still wants to play. Not that D.A. doesn't, um, but D.A. understands where he's at, you know, in his you know NFL perspective. But um, I think Matt really came in here and he said, you know what, I do want to play in all those things, but I want to be the best backup I can be, and I want to watch 17. I want to make him the best I can. And those guys, I know they were – you know, giving him a hard time. Hey, you should have checked down this and that. And sometimes saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, if you don't do that, you owe me a hundred bucks or something like that." Just right. all in it for him. And you know, that was really neat to see that room as as Da uh, and and Matt came in to both support Josh. Barkley's game against the Jets, I'm guessing, probably was the most fun he's had ever in the NFL, <laughs> and maybe <laughs> kind of rejuvenated his approach. Like, hey. This could happen. This could happen again. And you must have thought the same when you saw the way he played against New York. Yeah, I mean, listen, the way Josh plays, uh, he could get nicked up. I mean, he plays physical. He's, he's big and all that stuff, and he takes some hits. And um, and, and he did improve. You know, that was one of the things I got on to him, and I know a couple other people did in similar seats to mine, that, uh, listen, you got to be smart, you know, when you run. We do want that <coughs> element because it, it's a nightmare for D coordinators when they know you can run like that, but you got to know when to get down. Um, but with all that said, you do get nicked up once in a while, and it's important to have a backup. And I thought Matt proved his worth that he can come in here and run this offense in, in such short time. And, and I saw confidence in him even growing uh, as he w- in practice as he was running our scout team. Can I get one more Josh question in before we move on? I know you got other questions. No, I was gonna, I was got another one, too. Go ahead. All right. What do you want to see from Josh? What are you looking for next year and maybe changes in his game or his approach to the game? Yeah, I think you just want to see him continue to work on. Uh, you know, sometimes he, you know he he missed the the what I call the layup. Sometimes he he either rushed it, um, you know, in maybe the checkdown. You mm-hmm. know, there were some times where he Josh is he believes in himself, and what makes him so good that belief in himself sometimes. Uh, will cost him on some throws. He's trying to force it in a tight window that he can make a lot of times, but sometimes when it's third and five, just take that little – he did that twice this week. I was going to say, he seemed to do a little bit more yeah, he, this he, past week. He, he did it this yeah. past week. I want to continue to see him do that when it's there, and he will. The comfort level uh, of seeing things, it, it still happens fast, and I think sometimes you probably get back there and go, I can make that throw, and you forget you got this guy over here that's wide open that can pick up eight yards. We move the sticks. We get back to first down. Uh, those are a couple things. And, you know, he'll continue to work on his mechanics, as all guys do, just to tighten up all, you know, all the throws and, and, and things like that. But I think Josh is definitely understands where he's at and what he's got to work on. One of the things about this season was it, it was a little bit of an evolution. Um, you had a couple of position groups that kind of evolved, the offensive line, the wide receivers, and I think the quarterback room, too. And it – 
it took a while to get the quarterback room just like you wanted to because you had some unexpected things happen. I think yeah. I, Nate Peterman being a practice guy, not a game guy, then um, the injuries as well when you got guys back in there. And then also finding the right mix and going out and finding a guy like Derek Anderson. It took a while. Plus, like the wide receivers, you finally cleared the deck at that yeah. point in the season and let and put some speed in the lineup. You know, if, is there a regret maybe that the quarterback room took a little bit time to find and he, and he got blindsided yeah. a little bit? 100%. You know, we, we were trying to put uh, – we knew coming in that Nathan was coming back. We had made the decision to uh, trade Tyrod to Cleveland. Right. And so, you know, before the draft, we really had one, one legit quarterback here with, with, with Nate and then uh, as we entered free agency. And, you know, there was different guys out there in free agency. We went and uh, we thought A.J. was a guy that could come in and compete and potentially win that job. He had shown that he had played, uh, you know, even some playoff snaps for Cincinnati. Um, and then we, we knew we were going to try and draft somebody, hopefully, um, you know, get up. At that time, we were still 21 and worked our way to, right. to 12 and then to 7 to get Josh. But, um, you know, I don't uh, – I've said it. Uh, I don't know how I could have done it much different um, than to have a three-person you know, three right. quarterback battle. It's not ideal. Um, I wish – uh, I wish it wouldn't have played out that way, and um, I regret not getting Derek Anderson in, in here earlier. He was a guy that we talked about whether to sign him or sign A.J., but um, just really was trying to bet on A.J. on the come. And, listen, he, he did everything he could. He competed hard. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it, it doesn't. Um, but once you, you know it doesn't work, you gotta, you got to move on. And, and so getting D.A. here, when, when we did, I was glad. Again, uh, it was my error for not getting him here earlier. And the thing I'm excited about, Steve, is that we go into this offseason and Josh is the number one. We don't have any debate. That's I sleep better at night You're not going to share any reps in this camp. Yeah, I, I sleep better at night now knowing <laughs> right. we got that. We're with uh, Brendan Bean, the Bills general manager. Other parts of the roster to talk about. The other first-rounder, Tremaine Edmonds. A stat came out uh, we were talking about today. Tremaine Edmonds, Bills rookie linebacker, with uh, 15 starts, by the way, which is really good, but the only player in the league with 120 or more tackles, 10 or more pass breakups, two sacks, two interceptions, two forced fumbles. So not only is he out there calling your defense and relaying the signals, He's making plays, and he seemed, he seemed to be on an upward trajectory, almost like Josh Allen at sometimes. Yeah, you know, uh, there were various times where he really played fast, and I think there were some times where maybe he was drinking out of a fire hose, and it just it, yeah. it happened at different times. It was so fun on Sunday to watch him pull the trigger almost every play faster than he had pulled it all year. It was like, you know, and I think that happens. You know, the light just comes on at different times, and, and I think it was on – uh, for a lot of the year, but there's some things that got him. People played him, and you know, I remember um, one of the things I really thought he improved on. If you remember the Charger game, they really uh, took advantage of him with Keenan Allen, who is really good inside, super quick, uh, crafty, instinctive, and you know, Philip Rivers got him. You know, on a few of those, uh, they knew what they were doing, and Tremaine was still working on understanding what routes they're running in there. That just comes with time and experience, and again, like Josh. We can show him that on film, but until he goes and plays those snaps and sees how teams will do it, uh, you can't teach him. And, and this last game, just watching him from you know all the unassisted tackles he made, uh, that rush against Kenyon Drake was, was an excellent rush to, to you know to get the sack and then the one-handed pick. You know, you can't teach that stuff. No, he's long arms. Yeah, yeah. They get it. Six yeah, four he's, plus. He's a power forward. I mean, he's big. <laughs> so and he's twenty. Right. <laughs> uh, he, he's still growing, and uh, he's going to come back just like Josh. He, he doesn't, 
he is not content. If there's anybody that's not content, Tremaine Edmonds fits that bill. And again, that was part of the, the DNA. Uh, he was one of our 30 visits that we brought in here and got to know. And uh, I'll never forget where I met him. I met him walking into the, the calf and literally, I thought he was gonna hit his head on that door. You know, so big, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that's a big man. I one of the other things about you got a 20 year old who's in the heart of your defense. Your defense was number two overall in the league this year, which is, you know, which is, you know, really speaks well for the future and where it could go. But you also found out about a bunch of other young guys: Robert Foster, Taron Johnson, yeah. Levi Wallace. Who Levi Wallace is? What was it, Murray? He's like Pro the, Football Focus had him in the number one ranked rookie corner. Did you see that? Yeah, in the yeah. They're, so they're grading. Anyway. I mean, you've got some guy, and along with Tremaine and Josh. Um, Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips, yeah. Croom, guys who have, you know, we didn't know about before the season started, and all of a sudden they look like, you know, you can kind of etch them in stone on the roster at least, yeah. if not having significant roles. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to try and bring in competition for these guys, but uh, they came in and played, and the thing that you always want to find out about young guys, is it too big for them? Right. And uh, I think maybe Robert immediately in the season, it was a little bit big for him. Um, and that's one of the things I'm so proud of, and that uh, Dayball and, and Sean and I both, you know, all three of us just told him in, in the year, listen, that chip that you had after we released you and you came back and you were determined to prove that you were worthy of a 53-man spot, uh, keep that chip, keep doing it, and he will. He's such a great kid. Um, I don't even think he's, I think he's going to basically live up here most of the offseason. He just, he wants to be around and, and continue to uh you know, to get stronger and, and faster. And, and I know he's going to be in here trying to watch film. Huh. I wonder, um, when you, did you expect to get that kind of contributions from undrafted rookies like uh, Robert Foster, like Levi Wallace? That's, that's found money most of the time, right, when an undrafted rookie can play that prominent a role in either one of their cases. Or even a drafted rookie like Terran Johnson steps in and becomes almost an indispensable part of your defense at the nickel there. Yeah, I mean, in the personnel department, we strive to find guys from different areas and – you know, some guys fall through for, for various reasons uh, at the school. Maybe they weren't a great fit. Maybe there was a young guy that, you know, over, overtook them and the coaches liked them more or a new staff came in and you weren't, you, you weren't part of the, the regime that, that recruited you. There's various reasons why guys fall through, uh, and that's our job is to find out the, the guys that have ability. And, you know, Robert was a five-star coming out of high school, and, and there was various reasons why he, he fell out of favor or just didn't have the production. But um, at the end of the day, um, good teams find, you know, these types of nuggets because it was very important for us with all this dead cap money to be able to spend prudently so that we could find talent. And we really recruited our butts off. The coaches did a great job, uh, you know, the, by position at these guys, helping recruit what the opportunity was. And our, our scouts in those areas did a great job of identifying to me and my staff of uh, this is a guy we really got to target if he doesn't get drafted. So, you know, you've finished this season up and we've you found out about all these guys. You got some real promising young guys. And now, this offseason, as always, there's going to be some changes. I yeah. mean, there's already reports about tinkering with the staff. You got guys like Lorenzo Alexander, who you got to think about, who really gave you something maybe more than people thought he was going to give you. Lorenzo really had a nice year, particularly when Matt Milano went down. He stepped into the gap there. And, and of course, he was leadership in the locker room. Uh, and, if, and I don't know if you knew this, free agency comes up in March. I don't know. Did you hear about it? I heard about okay. it. There's a memo so, out. So, I mean, what's, you know, what, yeah, right. What's, uh, you know, what's your priority list? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, you have to know your roster. you got to understand because you're right. Every year there are expiring contracts, and, and we have, just like you will most seasons, you'll have a, a decent amount of guys that are up. 
which guys uh, are priorities to keep that you want to you know avoid losing and, and letting them go to free agency and then which guys is it time to move on from um, and is there anybody that's under contract once you do that then you can start laying out where where are the holes where we got to fill where do we have to target and we want to try and fill as many of those you know b before the draft whether it's cap casualties prior to free agency or in free agency and, and I said it the other day we have to be judicious with we do have cap uh, it, it is freeing, uh, as I said Monday, to not have to worry about um, what we can spend. We can spend what we need to do to get the right players, but it's not spend just because we got the money. There is Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, a big chunk of his meeting with uh, John Murphy and Steve Tasker. If you want to listen to the rest, it is on demand at WGR550.com under One Bills Live. We'll come back and wrap things up. i got a quick thought on the World Juniors and especially USA Hockey, Jack Hughes is going to be the number one pick, is doing incredible things again. Quick word on that before we wrap things up. Pit Reporters is next here on WGR. It's the nightcap on WGR. Last call. Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer. we got the Sabres tomorrow hosting the Panthers. Another big game. Kind of. I mean, the Panthers are eight points back, but they're good. So you don't want to give them any uh, any thoughts here that they can climb back into this thing. But they're good. 7 o'clock tomorrow. We'll be back for a full show on Friday. And right now the World Juniors are in action. I believe Finland just did something because people are saying, are you kidding me, Finland? And they have tied it. With 46 seconds left, Finland ties it against Canada. Wow. And the U.S. is in action right now. They're leading uh, Czech Republic one to nothing, I believe, in the first period. I've had this uh, kind of, I guess it's a take, but I've had this thought running for like a year now that I continue continue to believe that in the near future, like within the decade, I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. Def like is actually on par with Canada in terms of roster. Like, they'll beat Canada once in a while in the World Juniors. Uh, they actually beat them a lot in the World Juniors. Or in the Olympics or in the World Cup International Tournament, whatever. But the U.S. is really getting to a point where look at all these amazing American players that are just, like, generational players. Like, that's going to be the number one pick. Bunch of times now recently. I know Eichel was second, but he would have been that. Matthews, now Jack Hughes. And there are just so many good young American players. Johnny Goudreau is one. Um, that I feel like we are trending towards the U.S. getting near Canada's level in hockey. And it's going to mostly be, I think, because the one thing they never had when they would play them in the Olympics or such, like when they'd have Brandon Dubinsky playing center, they're going to have elite centermen now, like Eichel, Matthews, and uh, Hughes. So Go U.S. Finland tied it against Canada, so it'd be pretty cool to see Canada knocked out this early. And uh, that might clear the way for the U.S. to win this tournament once again. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. You can listen to the full show on demand at WGR550.com. Like I said, I'll be back on Friday. Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer, Pit Reporters, is coming up next here on WGR.